Conference Church will be out there with Samantha in the white building, I believe, and I love Zach Williams. That was great. And Dolly Parton, too. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that song, but that is a good song. Praise the Lord for that. That was good. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to chapter 16 of Luke. And this is Stewardship Month, and I've seldom, in the last couple years, I haven't really been preaching about stewardship, and I just thought, well, we had Advent, and we were in the book of Luke for Advent, and I don't know, but Luke is a book that speaks to my heart, and I hope that it speaks to your heart as well. And what I like about the book of Luke is that it is good news, not that the rest of the Word of God isn't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but Luke is specifically good news for those who seem to be the least of these or feel like they are the least of these. It is good news for those who feel like there are always someone, there's always someone who may have more than they have or maybe God loves others more than they do them. But Luke brings it back to where it's supposed to be. And I love that about the book of Luke. I was thinking when I was... A kid, I always go back to when I was a kid because I had a theology of of God that was just so off base, and it was because I just didn't know anything about the Lord, and I just assumed things about God. And and what I did is I would allow my life experiences to kind of dictate what I thought God was like because I, I, I wasn't smart enough to get into God's Word, and had I gotten into God's Word, I don't know that I had the comprehensive reading capabilities to understand what it was saying to me. And so all I could do is allow life experiences to define me. And when I allowed life experiences to define me, I just assumed that was God uh, making me what I was becoming. And so I wasn't a very happy person. And of course, obviously, you all would know that I'm telling you this story. It would, you would assume, obviously, that that is an incorrect way to look at the Lord, but I remember, too, when I, got, when I came to the Lord, when I would think back about people like me, I thought, well, how can someone know that God loves them? Is it something that they can actually feel? And so I started thinking about God's kingdom in a lot of ways. I started thinking, well, what does, what does it mean to be in God's kingdom? And I think that those two ideas are really interconnected because I was looking in Luke the other night, and I, I thought to myself, um, when I came across this verse, it said, God's kingdom isn't something that someone's going to say, look, here it is. This is really something. God's kingdom is in, it's within all of us. And so just, just bear with me for a second. If that's true, and I'm trying to figure out how God loves us, and is it something that I can actually experience in my life, what I know is, is that if we're doing what God calls us to do as his children, as his followers, it is possible. It is possible. You know, last Wednesday night, we had an amazing um, meeting with some teenagers. Wow. I, I, I wish y'all could have been there. This is where the rubber meets the road in, in, in ministry and as far as I'm concerned because we had a room full of teenagers 
who are just like I was. And you know, we talk about God's love to everybody, don't we? We just love to talk about God's love. And that's all we say, God loves you, brother. You know, I'm losing my house, I'm losing my car. We're like, God loves you, right? Um, That doesn't really get me where I need to be, does it? Because I can't feel God's love sometimes. Because you know what I found is that when people are struggling in life, sometimes the church is very distant. I don't know why that is. I think Jesus has an idea of why. And I think that it comes back to this passage we're going to be in this morning. Because what God has tried to do is he's trying to love the world, those who are like me, those who are like the kids we had the opportunity to minister to Wednesday night. Even maybe you all who are feeling rather unloved right now, God is trying to love this world through his people who are doing what he tells them to do. So when I look at Luke, I have a couple things that come to mind. I think of those who seem to have wealth, or maybe in our case, I don't know that anybody's millionaires in here. If you are, I'd like to hang out with you. But um, I don't know that we're, you know, and maybe million isn't a big number anymore. I don't know. It's almost like Austin Powers. I'm going to hold the world hostage for $1 million. I don't, you probably, that's an old show. You don't know what I'm talking about. But I think we have a means, right? Wealth is kind of also a means. And so when I look at this, I'm thinking that we're supposed to be smart with the means or the wealth that God has given us. And God has an agenda. And that's what he's doing right here in the book of Luke because most of the Christians, if you're like I was, uh, especially when I was new in my faith, you thought that God probably just wanted to fill your pockets up because he loved you so much. In fact, it's really in our DNA because we Americans, I love the, I'm equal opportunity basher. We Americans, right? We have, we believe in the pursuit of happiness. And sometimes that's more of an American-made thought than it is a biblically-made thought because what we're doing is we're merging two philosophies into one is kind of what we might call synergism, where you're actually putting, you're adding to more than what's actually written in Scripture. You're actually mingling two different ideas together. And so what we're doing is we're saying we're going to be smart with wealth so that we can have all that we need. And in fact, it seems like some of the ministries that are out there, they will tell you the same thing too. They'll say, you've got to be smart with your means and wealth because you're going to, you need to be wise and present yourself as wise. And we, don't, we usually don't go into why that's important. And I think Luke is doing that. So if you remember in Advent, when we were looking at Luke, we were talking about the world that Jesus and John the Baptist were being born into. And it was a world that was materialistic. And not only was it materialistic, it was a world where people were concerned about their status within the community. They were concerned that they were hanging out with the right people, the people who would actually make them look cool 
Or maybe I could get away from the youth analogy for a second and say, elevate my status among my peers so that I can look a lot more important than I was. In fact, if you go to Luke chapter 14, you can see several things that are taking place. Jesus goes to the house of some Pharisees and some sinners come around and he has something to do with the sinners. And again, it was such a challenge because the Pharisees are more concerned about elevating their status in the eyes of the people than they are actually having anything to do with the sinners, right? And so it's about status. And in fact, Luke even goes so far, and I'll read it too here in a minute, but Luke goes so far as to say that the Pharisees, now understand who they are. These are the religious people who are teaching the law of Moses and the prophets to all of Israel. These are the ones, when we talk about connecting those who are not connected to Jesus Christ, these are the people that you would think that God is using to connect people to Yahweh. And what they're doing is they're loving their money more than they are people. This is huge. If, it's, if this was a movie, right? If this, if this was a movie, we would be watching this, and if you're like me, you'd be sitting there thinking, when is someone going to do something about this? When is someone going to stop these people from loving their money more than they love people? This is when Jesus would walk in. And that's basically where we're at. We're going to talk about being smart with wealth or our means. Let's look at chapter 16 of Luke. I'm going to read one, verse 1 to 15, and this is what it says. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Did you hear that? Wow. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. You should, you should highlight that. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest, dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been full, have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Stopping right there. Really, we could just probably take this verse by verse, couldn't we? We could. Let's look at the first thing I want you to see this morning. Those who are smart with wealth will manage possessions with eternity in mind. So, this right here, this statement, okay? This feels to me like it's contrary to what you normally hear. So the fact that it feels contrary to what you normally hear to me, you know what this means? This is that moment that you have to take note of what I'm saying and then what you need to do is go home and read your Bible and see if what I'm saying is accurate. Is that okay with me to say that? Because the reason it feels so contrary to what we're normally used to hearing is it's kind of like the idea of what I said a minute ago. I said, we might be losing our house or we might be losing our car. We might be losing this or might be losing that. But some well-meaning Christian is going to come up and say, God loves you, right? It's kind of like when we come up to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, maybe it's somebody who is walking around and wondering, is there a way that I can know for sure that God loves me? Is there some way that I can feel that God loves me? And it might be that we would say, you know what you need to do? You need to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and you will be saved. And then we would just simply walk away because we've told them now, this is it. Do nothing else. Do nothing else. Because anything else you do at this point, it's simply working your way into heaven and you're messing up God's grace. Do nothing else. But here's the problem. If you believe in Jesus, then you must surely believe what he said, right? And did you pick up on what I told you to highlight this morning? If we're going to be smart with our wealth, then we must manage our possessions or our means with eternity in mind. You see, what happened here is this manager who was working for the rich man, this manager was wasting his master's wealth. He was wasting it. In fact, I had to look at some different translations because I saw the Greek word for wasting means squandering, and the New American Standard uses the word squandering. We all know what wasting means. We waste stuff all the time as Americans, don't we? I mean, 
Sometimes when I take my trash out for the trash man to come, I can't, I'm telling you, I am thinking to myself, how in the world could just me and my wife have this much trash in one week that I have to make multiple trips? I don't know. But that tells me that I am probably guilty of squandering some things or wasting some things because I'm throwing a lot of stuff away, right? So we understand what squandering means. But what Jesus is saying is this guy has somehow dishonestly squandered what his master gave him to manage. This is what he's done. Now, Jesus isn't saying he is justified and that it's okay that he was dishonest, but what struck Jesus about this person is that he acted shrewdly with his possessions. He was smart enough to know, remember I always tell you that this world has a principle built into it. What you do to others will probably come back to you, right? This man was smart enough to know that if he brought those other people in who owed his master money and said, look, how much do you owe? Just cut it in half. He knew that he would be welcomed into their houses. It's amazing. Jesus even went so far as to say, this guy's so smart that he's smarter than the people who are actually teaching the law of Moses and the prophets. The people who have been enlightened, this guy is big time smart compared to them because what this is going to mean, although he squandered everything that he had, what this means is that he actually is opening up the door to eternal dwellings now. That is something now we have to wrestle with. Because I've been the guy who was told all that you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and all is well now. <laughs> but Jesus is saying these Pharisees who believe that they are representatives of Yahweh, these guys love money so much that their eternal dwelling is at risk. Did, it, did we read that? Did he connect that? You're thinking, but pastor, these are just things. These are just things to me. There's no way that that could have an impact on me eternally. Well, then what's Jesus talking about? You know, there's so many examples in Scripture, isn't there? Jesus would say about the Pharisees very much. He would, he would even go so far as to tell his disciples, do what they say, just not what they do. Remember that? I mean, they're telling you the truth. They're just not doing it. In fact, he said to his disciples, you know what the thing is with those guys they're full of dead man's bones. And did you hear what Jesus said at the end? He says, when the, when the Pharisees are sneering at him because of what he said with this parable, they knew what he was talking about. That's why they sneered at him. They thought, how dare you? 
We're God's people. You see why Jesus ends up on the cross? Jesus said, wait a minute, you're the ones who are justifying yourselves to the Lord and others. God knows your heart. I'm paraphrasing that. Your love for your money means that you haven't loved the Lord. Now we get to why this has an eternal ramification, don't we? I'm going to get off this, but this goes into even saying, you believed in Yahweh, but you didn't do what Yahweh says. If you go down to the end of the chapter, you see where Jesus said to the rich man who finds himself in hell, who was there because he ignored the law of Moses and the law of the prophets. He didn't practice what he heard. He didn't practice what the Pharisees taught. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Those who are smart manage possessions to gain trust. So again, knew in the Lord, I didn't know much. I, I just knew that somehow from what I have observed from a lot of Christians, and, and, and by the way, I was watching a lot of Christian TV. So and on a lot of Christian TV, you're going to find health, wealth, and prosperity preachers. I mean, do you realize that in one of the churches, and I'm not judging this guy, but in one of the churches recently, someone, the plumber, found $600,000 in the wall of a church. Now, y'all listen to me when I say this. Why in the world is $600,000 doing stuff in the wall? I know you could just have your mind run wild right now. But my thinking is this, $600,000 sitting in the wall of a, of a church, what could God have done with that? I know right now, I work with kids at school that if I had $600,000, dude, we're all going to Disney World for sure for one thing, and they're going to have the time of their life, and for another thing, we're going to get a lot of these kids into some better living conditions, right? I would like to think that. My thinking is that God must use possessions, wealth, or means, however you want to look at it, as a tool for us to realize how much he trusts us. Because if I'm squandering it, it's more than likely I'm building up my own kingdom, right? I'm building up my own world. And in fact, when you listen to Christians, don't we always talk about what it's going to be like when we go to heaven? <laughs> We're just excited. I, I've used this with y'all before, but you know how I feel about it. Again, you need to challenge what I say with the word of God because God's given you the word, he's given you a brain, and he's given you his spirit, right? Right? So you're able to find it out yourself, but don't we always say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna have jewels in my treasure box. I'm going to have a mansion. I'm going to have this. It sounds a lot like the world we're trying to escape. Less <laughs> to me. But the Lord is saying to the Pharisees, you know, this guy squandered everything 
but he started picking up on how important it is to make friends with what God has given you. Did y'all pick up on that? I'll be honest with you. I've read that passage, I don't know how many times, and he talked about how wise he was because he used what he had to make friends. If God's given you something, my guess is it's not just to build your kingdom or fill your pocket. My guess is that it is so that you and I can make the friends that we need to be able to build God's kingdom. You know, when I, I, when I used to sit in the office a lot as a pastor, um, and I'm still a pastor, by the way. Well, I pretend a lot, I guess. I don't know. Um, but when I sat in the office, sometimes I would look at these other pastors and I would think, I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm preaching the word of God. What, what is the difference? And then I was listening to somebody one time and he was like, well, you know, God's just blessing us. And made, I, I, I don't know if I'm telling this right, so this is, you take it with a grain of salt. But the idea that I got was God just wanted to give him more than he did others. And I got to be honest with you, that just doesn't seem right to me. And so what I became, um, I began to understand is that it's more likely that what happens is with the means that we have, God is trying to find us faithful, which then if he's trying to find out whether or not he can trust us, which he already knows, but if he's trying to find out if we can be trusted with what we have, do you know what it means if you have a lot? You're really being tested. See, I think that makes a lot more sense in God's kingdom, right? In God's kingdom, the kingdom that's within us, in other words, where we're obeying the Lord, he's our Lord, he's, we're, doing, we're carrying out his commands. In God's kingdom, it makes sense that we're being tested and we're being seen whether or not we can be trusted with what really isn't ours to begin with. It should make us think when we pass a homeless guy, right? Now, I'm going to just tell you all now, this isn't about you tithing. <laughs> You're probably sitting there back, well, he's going to talk to us about giving 10%. No. Nope. I'm talking about those moments when we see the people stand out with a sign and we don't have time to dig into our pocket to give them something. I'm talking about being like the rich man at the end of this chapter, which is basically something that goes along with what we're talking about, who stepped over the poor man every day of his life to ignore him instead of helping him, and he found himself in an eternal dwelling that he didn't expect. Read it yourself. Can God trust us with our possessions? Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Those who are smart with wealth will know relationships bring true riches. I think this is something that is so amazing about the book of Luke. And it, it tells us something about the God that we serve. The relationships that we have with each other, the relationships that we have with our enemies, these are very important in God's kingdom. In fact, 
we Christians who try to invest wisely, you know the, the ministries and stuff, invest wisely. You know, be good stewards of God's money so that you can somehow, you know, have this life that you've always wanted and live like no one else. All of these things. Well, if you're living like no one else, then you're probably going to realize that what is valuable in God's kingdom, it's people. It's not the stuff that this world has to offer. It just isn't. One of the worst things I did when I was young in the Lord was that I tried to follow the Lord in such a way to use him to gain more wealth for myself. You know something, Christians need to understand that the relationships that we have with people and the prospective relationships that we have people, this is what is going to follow us into the kingdom of God. This is what's going to follow us into heaven. Everything that God has put at our disposal is meant to be used by God when we are prompted by him we are to be generous with what we have and to the people that he calls us to be generous to. You know something? I hear this periodically when someone says, if I say, hey, there's somebody out there with a, with, um, with a sign, people might say to me, well, there's always somebody out there with a sign. Um, they're probably making more money than us, and that may very well be true. I mean, I gave some money to a guy in Chicago one time. I'm not bragging, but I gave money to a guy in Chicago one time, and it was in September, and I went back in December. The guy was out there again, and he had better clothing on than I did. I was, if you've ever been to Chicago, it's freezing cold there, like legit. And I didn't have enough on, and he was bundled up. He was looking sharp. But you know what? It doesn't matter what he has or doesn't have. It's whether or not I understand what authentic riches are, and it's being able to use money or wealth or means, whatever it is at my disposal, to build authentic riches in form of a relationship with someone whom I may have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with. That's what it's about. You might be thinking this morning, well, pastor, I just, I just don't know. I think you're getting into my business. I, you know, one time I asked a guy how his leg was doing. It was going to get amputated within a, a week or so. And he goes, well, I've got to go to the doctor, and I've, I've, I've got to get my, some of my leg taken off. And I said to him, I said, man, brother, I'm going to pray for you. You know what he said to me? Don't you pray for me. He said, all you preachers want is money. I'm, that's not the goal here, y'all. You know what the goal is? It's making sure our heart is with Jesus Christ and with what he cares about instead of with the things of this world. Because apparently there's something to that that if our heart is wrong with him and we're not being smart with our wealth, then apparently that does have ramification on our eternal dwellings, doesn't it? If your heart really isn't Jesus, you're really not his. If you're someone this morning who thinks that 
Maybe it's not about the trust because the fact is that God gives you everything. If he already gives it to you, then why does he have to decide whether or not you're actually trustworthy or not? I don't know that that's really for him. I think it's more for us. And if you're like me, all I have to do is sit down and look at how I spent my money and I can see where my heart actually is. And once I see that, I can determine whether or not I can actually be trusted. Because I'm going to tell you, if God can't trust you to give to those who need to understand what it's like to be loved by him through his people, then he's probably not going to give you any more. And by the way, it's not about you, it's about him. When I do premarital counseling with young people, one of the things that we talk about before they get married, and I do this intentionally, is that what you have is to be employed into God's service. That doesn't always mean that you give everything you've got to the church. That just means that you are able to not only give to the church, but give to those around you who have need. You realize that's why the law of the prophets was written, right? Israel didn't do that. And this was a problem. They taught the word of God. They spoke the word of God. They said they loved God, but they didn't love their neighbors. If you're someone this morning that thinks that you have enough relationships, maybe you think you do value your relationships that you have right now, Do you value them more than you value what's in your pocket or not in your pocket? And do you value the prospective relationships? Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus came so that if we are buying into his kingdom, there should be peace in your life. Because we're listening to him. And what he values, we value. Jesus does not value possessions. He values people so much so that he gave his life for people. Not for some to be rich. He gave his life for the least of these. And so that those who have the means, he gave his life for them as well, that they would share with those who don't. I can tell you that if we can get this down, not just us, when I say we, I mean all of us American Christians, if we could get this down, if we could understand and get back to what Jesus actually says, then I'm going to tell you something. I believe that we would have less of a difficult ministry to do to young people who are wondering why God has them where they are, and why he doesn't do something on their behalf. It's because I believe we've got to get away from loving what we have in our pockets and get back to valuing what God cares about himself, and that is everyone, the least of these. So with all hearts opened and all heads bowed, and eyes shut. 
If you haven't been listening to what Jesus says, if you haven't been faithful with what you've received from God, first of all, I think you need to acknowledge it's his. Secondly, I think that you need to ask him and invite him to use what you have for his glory. If you haven't been doing that, this is the moment to turn it around and just simply do what God tells you to do. And if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, stop waiting. Whatever the problem may be, stop waiting. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ because he will teach you how to be smart for real with what you have. And you can join him in doing what is right in this world if you follow him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're so grateful, Lord, to be together again, Lord. And Lord, your word is amazing. The way that you have mapped out what's good for everyone. I can see the wisdom and love in your heart. I recognize, Lord, that you are trying to love this world and eliminate a lot of the world's problems. You just need a people who will follow you and be obedient to you. And Lord, you've empowered us to do so. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that is struggling right now, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to them. Lord, that you would use us. Help us to be that group of people who has healing in their hands that comes straight from you. Lord, let us not be blinded by what we have and don't have, but let us have eyes for what you value, and that is those who are lost in this world and even ourselves, Lord, because you love everyone, and you have given this message of the gospel so that you could bring healing to everyone who hears. Help us to do so. Go with us now and bring us back again safely, Lord, Wednesday and Sunday. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.